Uh, we're going to get into this word. We are in the middle of a great series entitled, What Do I Do Now? What do I do now? What is this series about? It's about living the life after the miracle. What does it mean to live the life after the miracle? How do I live after God has blessed me? We know in Acts 3, what we've seen in the earlier part of the text is what? That there was a, a lame man who had been in this way since when? Birth. He's been this way since birth. He could not function. His legs were not working. His feet were not working. And all his friends did on a continuous basis is his friends set him at the gate, the gate called what? Beautiful, and allowed him to beg for money because he felt like that was all he could do. He felt like he had nothing else that he could do. So on this one day, Peter uh, was going up to the gate. Peter was going up to the gate and he was going in to do what? Pray. He was going into the temple to pray, and as he's entering into the temple to pray, this man is there, lame. Things are not working out for him. Things are not working out in his favor. And so Peter and John approach the gate, and he does the same thing that he always does, and he reaches out and asks for money. He reaches out and asks for money, but the problem is that Peter and John doesn't have money, so they tell him, listen, I don't have money, but what I do have to give you, I will give you in the name of Jesus Christ, him of Nazareth. And as a result of it, Peter reaches out his hand and blesses this man. The Bible says what happened? His ankles and his feet were strengthened. His ankles and his feet were strengthened, and he immediately stood up. He immediately stood up. That's the miracle in his life. What is the miracle? I want you to understand this. A miracle is any time God does something for you that you couldn't do by yourself. We talked about that. When any time that God does something for you that you could not do by yourself, when God gives you breath, when God gives you life, when God fixes your finances, when God fixes your marriage, when God allows you to make it to the work on a tire that should blow up on you, that is a miracle. And we need to take time to observe the miracles that God has done in our lives. Why? Because if you don't take a moment to observe the miracle, you will become complacent and think that God owes you something when God owes you nothing, we owe God everything, but yet and still, he still blesses us. He still provides for us day in and day out. I remember as a child, I was not always the best child that I could possibly be. But the greatest thing about it is that my parents loved me with an un unconditional love. And so even when I made a mistake, they were still yet there providing me. Yes, I didn't always get what I want, when I wanted, or how I wanted, but there was an understanding in my house that because I'm your dad, because I'm your mom, it's my responsibility to provide for you. When I got in trouble, my parents didn't stop feeding me. They continued to feed me. Why? Because they understood as a parent that was their role and responsibility. We, don't, we should not take the role and the responsibility of God for granted. We cannot take the role and the responsibility of God for granted. God does not owe us anything. Every night I go to sleep, I literally go to sleep with the expectation that I may not wake up the next morning. It's easier for me that way because it's less stress on my life. I don't worry about tomorrow's problems because it might not be there. I might not be there. You'll be amazed at how many people don't wake up the next day. So the thing is that I do everything that I'm supposed to do today. Did I enjoy the miracle that God given me today? If I did not enjoy the miracle that God gave me today, life, I'm not being a good steward. 
I'm not doing what God has asked me to do. So here it is in the text. The man gets a miracle that day, right then, in that moment. He jumps to his feet. His ankles are strengthened. His feet are strengthened. And he begins to walk a walk that he's never walked before. But we learned on last week that when he walked, he didn't walk just like everybody else. He cleaned to those two disciples. He clinged to those two disciples. We learned last week that our first message that we should understand as it relates to what do we do after God has blessed us, what do we do? We stay connected. You should never get the big head now that God has brought you out of whatever you went through and leave God. I've seen so many Christians, so many people, they run to the church when they're broken, but after they're mended together, they walk away never to come back until they're broken again. This is why many churches are not growing. This is why many churches are stagnant. This is why many people's lives are not changed. Why? Because they come and get a temporary fix instead of staying for a permanent solution. This is a problem with the people, not with the provider. We have to get to a position where we stay connected. We stay in the process, not just being with God when things are okay, but when things are bad, but being with him when things are okay. I believe if many of us could stay in the church longer and give God more praise, more people would come and stay because of the praise that we're giving. But the problem is that we have such a, a swinging and revolving door as it relates to the church. Everybody that's walking through is broke and hurt and ain't nobody left to encourage them. See, somebody has to stick around that knows that I've been through the same thing that they've gone through and as a result of it, I'm going to stay here to encourage you. After all, the only responsibility for the church is to encourage one another. The church is not designed to be just a place of worship. We should worship God in our private time. The church is not designed to be just a place of praise. We should praise God in our private time. The church is not designed to be a place of prayer. We should pray whether the doors of the church are open or closed. The church is designed for people who are living life, doing life together, to come together and say, you know what, you're not in this by yourself. There's yet still hope. So if we want to know what should we do after God blesses us, when we get a certain amount in our income tax that we wasn't expecting, stay connected. When God takes you from being lonely to being loved, what do you supposed to do? Stay connected. When your finances go from being fake and phony to, to full and voluptuous, what do you do? Stay connected. You do not change. I mean, listen, it's, it's a system. If it's working, don't try to fix it. Leave what it is. So the first thing that we understood is that we should stay connected. Today, I want to teach you something different. I want to open your eyes. I want to educate you on a second principle that if you want to continue to be blessed by God, if you want to know what you should do after the miracle, then what you need to do is not only stay connected, but the second principle is I need you to stay humble. I need you to stay humble. Go with me, Acts chapter 3, and I want to just read one verse for you, verse 12. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. If you can stand to your feet, I'll read it with you. Uh, and just repeat after me as you're standing. Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Listen, Acts chapter 3, verse 12, when you got it, say, I got it. Let me get it for you. Here it is. The Bible says, 
after everything that has taken place, here it is that uh, the, the man has got up. He's walked. He's walked into the temple. He's clinging to Peter and John and the people are approach, approaching him on the porch. They're seeing him on the porch. Catch what happens in verse 12. Here it is. But when Peter saw this, Peter saw all the people coming. Peter saw all the people coming. When Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power, catch that, why do you look at me as if by my own power or pity we had made him walk? For a moment today, I want to talk to you about staying humble. Grab a seat, grab a seat, grab a seat. Staying humble. What does it mean to stay humble? Catch what happens here. Peter and John, they are walking into the temple. They have every right to take credit for everything that just happened. But when the men run up to them, the men of Israel, and they're running up to them, and they're gazing in amazement, what is taking place is Peter catches them and says, you know what? Whoa, something is wrong. I don't like the way you're looking at me. I don't like the way you're approaching me with your hands out. It's not working. And Peter tells them, why are you looking at us in this way? As if it was something by our own power that we did it. If it was something that we did because we had pity on him. Peter stops for a moment and you begin to see that Peter is exhibiting a spiritual walk of humility. Peter is showing the people that he, in fact, is humble. What, what is being humble? What is humility? If you got a pen, if you can write it down, take a note, write it down. I want you to catch it. Humility is the heart of God being shared through the hands of his people. Humility is the heart of God being shared through the hands of his people. It's hard for a human being to be humble. It's natural, it's our natural desire to take the credit for everything that we've done. But as a believers, what we have to understand is the Christian definition of humility is us taking the heart of God, God's love, God's compassion, and allowing him to place it in our hands, which means that we function as if we are God's heart. That's real big. I need you to catch this because what has happened here in the text Peter and John have just used their hands to heal a man. Peter and John has just used their hands to, to heal a man that has never had the ability to walk from birth. And they've wanted to give him the opportunity to walk. And as a result of it, they use their hands and their faith to heal a man. To heal a man. And he gets up and walks. But Peter and John understand that the only reason that they were able to do what they have done is because it was God's heart that used their hands. One of the biggest mistakes that we make as believers is that we forget that the only reason we can do what we do is because God allows us to. We forget that the reason why we're blessed is because God has blessed us. The reason why we can be a blessing is because God has blessed us. We think that we can take the credit for what we have and have not done just because God has used us as a vessel to make something happen. Look what I've done. Look at what I've achieved. It's always about I. 
and we forget about him. We have to get to a point as believers to remember that it was God that does everything that he's done in our lives. Humility. Humility is about sharing. Humility is about sharing. So as we get through this lesson today, I'm going to give you three points, but these are really sub points because the main thing that I want you to understand is this one point. Humility is about sharing. There's three things that I need you to share, and they're going to show them to you in the text. There's three things that I need you to share, but the first thing that I need you to understand is humility is about sharing. You can't be humble if you're not willing to share. It's, it's not going to work out. What do I do after I receive a blessing? I not only have to stay connected, but I also have to be willing to share. I have to be humble. What is the first thing that God expects you to do in your sharing? The first thing that you have to do is be willing to share the credit. That's a point. You can write that one down. You have to be willing to share the credit. Look what the disciples did in the text. Disciples walked up and said, hey, why are y'all looking at us like this? We didn't do none of this. It's not my own power. I'm not that strong to get this done. It's not because I felt a certain way about this person. I don't care that much to get this done. The only reason that this was done is by God's might. It has nothing to do with me. Catch this. You have to be willing to share the credit of your life with God. If you're not willing to do that, then you're going to be in trouble. The biggest mistake that most of us make is we're always running around saying, look what I've done. Look what I've achieved. Look who I am. And the biggest problem is, I want to show you this, because when you have this itis, when you have this I-itis, and all you want to do is say, I, 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 you make yourself look like God. Look at, look at this job I got. Look at this money I make. Look at this man I got. All of these things, you make yourself look like God. What do you mean, pastor, I make myself look like God? You make it seem like you're so in control of your life that you can make things happen even if, you don't, if God is not in control of it. You make it seem like you have so much power that you can make yourself wake up the next morning. You have to get to a point that you're willing to share the credit with God. That's the first sign to show that you are humble, is if you're willing to share the credit with God. Simon Peter and John could have walked up in there and said, yeah, we did it. Build a temple right now with my face on it. But guess what happens immediately? After they build that temple, they lose all power. They lose our power. Why are you telling us this, Pastor? Because I want to show you something. Because when you start taking the credit for things that God has done in your life and you're not willing to share the credit with God, you will lose our power. You wonder why you go from up to down so fast? It's because of the fact that God has removed his hand. Because the only reason that he blessed you in the first place, Brother Dan, is so that he can be a walking testimony of what he's done. That's the whole purpose. If you can't wrap your head around that, that the only reason that God has blessed me is so I can tell somebody else that God did it so I can, so that their lives can be changed, you don't deserve to be blessed. You don't deserve to receive a miracle. Catch this. Because I know that that's the reason God blesses me because I bless other people, guess what I want to do more? Bless other people. Because the bigger I bless other people, the bigger you're going to bless me, God. You can call it selfish, you can call it a, 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 a separate agenda, my own motives, whatever. I want to be pleasing in the eyes of God, and I know if it's order for me to be pleasing in the eyes of God, I have to sacrifice myself to be elevated. If I have to decrease to increase, I'm okay with it. If I have to struggle sometime to be successful later, I'm, I'm okay with it. Because I know what God has asked me to do. 
I know that all I need is God in the first place. I know that no matter if God gives me 60, 70, I'm asking for 80 years here on the face of this earth, it's nothing compared to eternity. All I'm doing now is making a spiritual deposit in the after. The problem with most of us is that we get so caught up in the now that we forget about the after. We forget about what God is going to do later. Listen, I want to tell you something. I want you to fix this accreditation of yourself. I need you to fix it because of the fact what happens is when you try to make yourself look like God, I got this man, I got this job, I did all of this. When you try to make yourself look like God, guess what happens? People begin to look at you as God. You wonder why people come to you with their problems all the time because to them you make it seem like you have it all together. See, people wouldn't come to you if you gave them directions to go to God. This is what Simon Peter is doing in the text. He's Xing out that eye. No, no, this is not me. Y'all, the gaze, the glare that y'all have in your eyes, you got it all mixed up right now. We didn't do this because we wanted to. We didn't do this because we had the power to. It was only by his might, only by his love that you are healed. It's only by his will that your life is changed. So if you want to know how to be humble, start sharing the credit. You didn't do it by yourself. Be honest about that, that it was God that did it with you and not you all by yourself. When you can put yourself in a position to that manner, then you can open up the doors where God can bless you even more because he knows that if I give you something, then you're going to turn around and, and bless my name so that I can be glorified and then as a result of it, I can honor you. Humility allows God to honor you. I need you to receive that. By you being humble, it allows God to honor you. The reason that many of us feel like we can't be humble is because we won't be honored. We won't get the credit for the things. But I'll tell you something. If you're humble, then God will honor you. It's, it's been showing over and over through the test of time. When you submit yourself to his will, when you submit yourself to his way, when you let people talk bad about you, when you let people put you down because you want to live the life that God has asked you to live, you're putting yourself in a position of submission and humility where then God comes back and honors you by lifting you up. But you can never allow God to honor you if you'll never be humble. Simon Peter teaches us not only do we have to be willing to share the credit, he teaches us that if we really want to be a a, a humble disciple, if you really want to be a humble individual, then hum humility requires you to share the truth. That's the, the biggest thing. Humility requires you to share the truth. In the text, when you get a chance, write it down. You'll get an opportunity to read it. But through verse 13, matter of fact, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 13, it says, uh, the God of Abraham, this is after he checked them and said, it's not me that did it, but God's did it. He comes and he hits them with the truth. He does not do so in a way to cause confrontation. He does not do so in a way to make them think that he's better than them. He just simply wants to state the facts. He wants to state the facts about the situation. Acts chapter 3, verse 13, it says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Catch this. This is the truth. This is, it, the truth hurts. Everybody say the truth hurts. The truth hurts. Here it is. Simon Peter is talking to his fellow Jews, his fellow brothers, and he's telling them that I need to let you know something. 
I, I'm grateful that you think I did all of this, but I didn't do all of this. God did all of this. And as a result of God doing all this, now I need to remind you who is God. See, the issue with these individuals that were so ready to praise what they saw, but wasn't willing to praise what they didn't saw, what they didn't see, what they heard of, is that now they, they see Simon Peter and they're ready, to, they're ready to build them a temple. They're ready to do all of these great things. But Simon has to stop them and say, no, 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 no. You remember Jesus? Do you remember the one that was... Uh, Locked up, Pilate had him, and as a result, of uh, Pilate was trying to set him free, and y'all was like, no, crucify him and let the murderer go? That, that's what y'all said? Do you remember the one that you called to be whipped, to be beaten, to be crucified, to be stabbed, to be put to death? Do you remember that one? This is the one that just did what happened. And, and what happens is, later on in the text, and when he talks about verse 14, but you disown the holy and the righteous one, talking about Jesus, and ask for the murderer to be granted to you, saying, let the murderer go and lock him up, but put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. This is a good point. This is a good point. He says, a fact to we are witches, witnesses. This is the truth. He's talking about what he's seen, not what he heard. When people come to you and they're looking for guidance, when they're looking for help, you need to be telling them what you've seen and not what you've heard. Uh, it, it, it bothers me when women get together. I love women that have a relationship and able to talk about their problems and their stresses with men. But I, 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 it issue, it, it's an issue with me when, when women are so quick to tell somebody about how to fix their relationship and then their relationship ain't even right. Yeah. Or, or, when, or when a woman comes to you and asks you, how did you get your man in order? You, you tell them that I shut down the cookie shop and, uh, and, and I didn't cook and, and all of this happened. You tell them all of this other stuff, but you didn't tell them the fact that you was on your knees crying and begging and praying. That God had fixed it. You want to tell them everything that you, that you feel like uh, uh, the housewives of Atlanta allowed to work and all of these other things. You, you want to tell them all of these projects, how you got this person. But you don't really tell them that, you know what, I got, I got tired. Enough was enough. And I finally tried it God's way. See, the truth of the matter is that sometimes when we are walking through life, we want to make ourselves seem bigger and better than what we are. The truth is... Peter didn't have the answer except that the answer was Jesus Christ. There was no other answer he could have gave them. In our lives, the only answer to all of our problems, whether you want to agree or disagree, the only answer to all of our problems is Jesus Christ. Uh, there may be ways and avenues that we can fix things in our lives, but the key thing is putting Jesus first in every situation. And so this is what happens with Simon, Peter, and John when they're there. They're telling them, listen, I got to tell you the truth. You made some mistakes in your life, and as a result of you making mistakes in your life, wanting to do things your way and not God's way, you have put yourself in a position where you're not receiving the full benefit of God. That's just the truth. That's the truth. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that if I want this man to marry me, I need to stop sleeping with him. No, no, nobody wants to hear that if I, I want God to give me more money, I need to start managing the money I got now better. Nobody wants to hear the truth. But the truth of the matter is simple, that you've made some decisions in your life that was not right before, that has caused you to be put in a situation where now you're missing out on the full blessing of God. That's the truth. 
That's the clear point truth that if you really want to see God fix some things in your life, what it requires you to do is put God first now. That, that's the responsibility of a humble person is to share the truth with people. Don't just tell people what they want to hear to make yourself feel better. Tell people the truth about what they're going through. To, to, to let them know that, baby, I know that you're hurting right now. I know that you're lonely right now. I know that you're broke right now. I know that you're disappointed right now. But the way that you're trying to fix it is not going to fix it. You've done this before and it did not work out. So if you really want to see a transformation, let's fix it. Let's fix it one time for all times. Fix the mistake that you made. Accept Jesus where you said no. We are no different than those Jews that put Jesus to death because in our lives where we should be setting Jesus free and letting him have free reign in our lives, we are putting him to death and accepting all the murderous ways of the world. We are killing our own blessings. Oh, that just blessed me. We are putting to death our own blessings by instead of putting Jesus first, we're putting everything else first, every other view first, and as it relates to our lives, we are killing our own path. It's not that God wants us to die. It's not that God doesn't want us to have either everlasting life. His word says that he'll give us every day our daily bread. So if you're going through life and you're not getting your bread, God is not the problem. If you're not receiving your due provisions, it's not that God has said, I don't want to give it to you. It's that you have made a decision to cancel that blessing out. Why? Because God doesn't owe you anything. You can forfeit your blessing. I remember one Christmas. I love my daddy. I love my daddy. But one Christmas, he was real hard on me. He was real hard on me. I, don't, I, I, I got in trouble. I did something I ain't had no business doing. And he just shut down Christmas. It was like he called Santa and said, Santa, you can't come through here. This year, I knew my dad always hid my Christmas gifts in the attic. I don't know if he knew that or not, but I knew that he always hid them in the attic. And sometimes when he would go to work, I would pull, pull that ladder down and climb up in the attic and look around to see what I had. And so here it was, Christmas was approaching. And as the Christmas days got close, I knew it wasn't no bike. I didn't need a bike. I already had a Huffy. It wasn't chrome. I sanded it down, had to varnish it a little bit to make sure it stayed chrome. But I had my Huffy. I was good. I didn't get a DMX, a BMX like everybody else. But I pulled them stairs down. And I began to climb up the stairs and I began to look around and I seen toys for my sister. And I began to look on a section that was usually dedicated for me. And there was nothing there. Th there was nothing there. Another day passed by. I went back up and looked again. Same process, toys for my sister. But there was nothing there for me. I did this over and over, not him not knowing all the way up until almost Christmas Day. And when, when I got there on Christmas Eve, I seen even more toys. For my sister. But still yet nothing for me. My daddy did not not get me anything that year because of he didn't want to. He did it because I didn't deserve him to. He did it because there were some decisions that I had made that made him as a father had to execute his fullest authority and said, today I got to shut it down. Because of the fact that you are taking what I'm giving you for granted. And as it relates to life, we do it to God. It's not that God doesn't want to provide for us. He has everything that he needs. My daddy wasn't broke. He could, he could have bought me anything that he wanted to buy me. But he needed to teach me a lesson. He needed me to go through that season of not receiving so what? I know not to do it again. It was the saddest Christmas. You see, it still hurt me. I remember to this day. I don't remember any other Christmas, but I remember that Christmas. 
When my sister woke up that morning and went under that tree, and she was able to open gifts, and the only thing I got was some clothes from some aunties and uncles, and that was it. I didn't get toys that year, but it was my decision that put me, and he made sure to set me down. He didn't treat me bad. He set me down, and he said, the reason you didn't get anything is because of the decision that you made. God says the same thing to us. The reason things are not going your way today is because of what you did yesterday. Until you fix yesterday, your tomorrow won't be. I, I just think about color paper. Ain't nothing right going to come by you. <laughs> color purple. It, it just ain't going to work out until you do right by me. We have a responsibility to do right by God. It's our responsibility to do right by God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be walking around life with a hex on my back because of the fact that I didn't did the wrong thing. I don't want to be so prideful and bold that I'm declaring that it was me that did it and not God that did it. So I have to get to a point where I have to share the truth, that this is the basis. I made some mistakes, but I got with God and he fixed it. You've made some mistakes and you won't accept God, so how can you expect him to fix it? There's nothing I can do for you, baby. I don't care how much money I give you, you're still going to be broke because you're going to owe me after I give you this money. But God is the only person that can give you what nobody else had to give you. And you don't owe him anything back. So we learned today so far that we have to be willing to share the credit. Not only that, but we have to be willing to share the truth. The last thing that I want you to understand, I think I catch it in, in verse 17. This is my favorite verse because Peter basically talks fly about these Israelites, about these, these men of Israel without them even knowing that he talked fly. He's throwing shade, as the new people say. In verse 17, this is what he says. He says, and now, brethren, I know you acted out of your ignorance. I got to get country with it, your ignorance. I know you acted out of your ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But catch this, verse 18. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Verse 19. Therefore, this is what he tells them to do. This is, this, is the, this is the answer. If you're truly humble, this is the answer. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing ooh, may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, Appointed for you. Catch this. If you, not, if you understand that you have to be willing to share the credit, if you understand that you have to be willing to share the truth, the last thing that I need you to understand today is that you have to be willing to share Christ. You have to be willing to share Christ. Christ is the only answer. I said that earlier. Christ is the only answer to every situation. And every, I want you to stop something. I want you to stop. The next time somebody calls you and you think you're their problem solver, stop. You can't fix their problems. Your gossiping is not going to fix the problem. Stop gossiping and start sharing the gospel. Share with people the true secret of why you are who you are. Remember who Simon Peter was. Simon Peter was the one with the bad attitude. He was the one cutting off people's ears. He was the one trying to tell Jesus what he could and couldn't do. And as a result of it, Jesus had to curse him. He was one that when Jesus told him to go share the gospel, he decided to go fishing. Jesus had to remind him several times, listen, this is what I've asked you to do. He was the one that was disobedient. And it was not until he got it right on the day of Pentecost that he began to tell people about Jesus Christ. Simon Peter was also the one that denied him three times before the rooster crowed. 
But you also have to remember that Simon Peter was the one that Jesus said, on you, I will build my church. God has full potential for him. But the thing is that he let his own problems get in the way. It was not until Simon Peter said, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to do it God's way or no way. And as a result of doing it God's way, then God was able to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings over and over in his life. The man brought 3,000 people to Christ in one day. He built the church in one day off a mass group of people. The Bible says that people were continually being devoted to the teaching. They were continually devoted to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. One day he said yes. And all of these people began to follow him. What if God is just waiting on you to say yes? In the text, the text says that the minute that you says yes, he will provide a refreshing. Uh, Y'all might not understand that. I've been busy. I've been working in the sun with some men. And my wife had me do a garage sale yesterday that I didn't even want to do. And it's something about when you go outside at 9 o'clock in the morning and you're sweating. And, and then it's the same type of sweat at 12 o'clock. It's like, why is it, why is it so hot at 9 a.m. in the morning? And then got the audacity to ask me to cut the yard after it's done. Listen, whoa, I need a refreshing. Uh, I needed to, to get, I've been trying to get out for sodas, but uh, listen, the, the water that was warm wasn't going to do it. I needed one of them things out the cooler. I needed one of them peaches. Give me one of them peach drinks out of the cooler. And she began to look at me crazy because I didn't have one, I didn't have two, but I found my way to three or four of them. Uh, because they were what? Refreshing. And the heat of the moment, I needed something cool within me. Because what? When it cooled the inside of me, it made the outside of me feel like I can deal with the situation. Y'all just missed it. Catch this. Life is hot. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be simple. But you need something cool on the inside of you. The only thing that can exist and cool on the inside of you is nothing other than Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm sorry. You can try to fix your problems from the outside. All it's going to do is add more problems. Every time you add a person in your life, you've added another problem. The one person that you can add in your life that's not a problem is none other than Jesus Christ himself. You have the opportunity to add Christ in your life that's not a problem, but he's a problem solver. He will fix whatever it is that you're struggling with. He'll fix whatever it is that you're going through, but you have to give it all to him. He, he, he's just like that. He works like that. He, he's like some of y'all women. Y'all ain't going to let, let y'all man have an extra woman on the side. You won't. Listen, it's either me or none of me. It's just that simple. And if you can have that concept of understanding that my man got to be faithful, why can't you understand that we have to be faithful? The word of God says, listen, if you're lukewarm, I, I will spew you out. He said, I'd rather you be cold or hot. You know, that's some hard love when he said, I'd rather have you or not have you. But what I won't do is settle for a part of you. You either going to be with me or against me. And so you have to ask yourself in your life, am I really with God or am I against God? Or, or am I treading the middle? I'm not talking about the fact that you turn on 97.9. Pastor, turn it on every once in a while, too. I got to stay hip. I got to keep my swag. I'm not, I'm not talking about those issues. I'm not, I'm not talking about that you're like Brother Dan and you, I find you in Coach's Corner. I see you over there sometimes. I'm, I'm not talking about those things like that. I'm talking about what is your lifestyle really saying about you? What do, what do people really say about you? Do people believe that you're a Christian? Do people know that you're a Christian? Do people know that, that there's healing power flowing through you? That God is doing some amazing thing. Do, do people know that when you pray, the earth shakes? Do, do they know that? 
Or are they still questioning where you stand? His humility, Simon Peter's humility in this text validates who he is. His humility shows that he is a servant of the one and only high God. That he has the best father that he could ever have. That his father not only does things for him, but does things through him. That his father will make ways out of no ways, open doors out of no doors. Where well, he, he will give you an opportunity where everybody else said no. He will use you. He will build on top of you while everybody else was trying to step on you. The question is, will you give him the opportunity to? Why is this important to stay humble after the miracle? Because your humility determines if you get another one. People say we live life from faith to faith. I agree, but I also believe we live life from miracle to miracle. Uh, there's no way that I could be in the situation I'm in if I hadn't experienced miracles from God. I mean, just, just this year, earlier this year, I was involved in a, in a, a T-bone head-on accident where, where I, I, I hit a woman that ran a red light. And, and God knows I didn't have the finances to get my truck fixed. But after hitting a woman at 50 miles per hour, my truck still ran. Yeah, it looks a little cockeyed in the front, but guess what? It still does what it's supposed to do. It, it gets me where I'm supposed to be. I, I got a job that I can get to faithfully independent. That's a miracle. I've seen people have accidents less than mine and cars is all jacked up. That's a miracle. I drove by accident the other day. It was early in the morning, and here it is, a car wrapped around a pole. And I'm like, how did you wrap yourself around the pole, and you know what it is when there's a sheet out on the ground? That's a miracle that, that I'm still where I am. Stop taking your life for granted. I want you to be able to embrace your miracles, because if you can embrace your miracles and start staying connected while you're going through them, if you can embrace your miracles and stay humble, after you've come out of them, then the thing is that God can bless you again. It shows that you are worthy of what God is giving you. So when you ask yourself, what am I supposed to do after the miracle? Stay humble. Don't act like you didn't hit the lottery and quit your job and everything else. Stay humble. And I promise you, God will honor you. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the ability to worship you in both spirit and in truth. God, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that in this moment today that our hearts be refreshed by your son, Jesus Christ. God, we pray that we accept him in the fullness of who he is so that we can have the life that you've asked us to live. God, we're praying for a refreshing in our marriages. We're praying for a refreshing in our jobs, on our finances, God, and everything that we're going through. God, we're praying right now that you refresh. I love this word, refresh. Because, God, it, has, it means that you don't have to replace it, but you can replenish it. So, God, we're praying that you replenish all of these things in our lives so that we can give you all the glory and honor. So, Father God, we can receive whatever it is that you have for us. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. 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 Listen, man. I